Uh, today, what I want to do, if you haven't been here in the last few weeks, and maybe this is the first time that, that you've come in, in a few weeks, maybe you haven't heard what I was going to do today, but, but really, I am going to speak to you. Um, I don't know if you could classify this as a sermon or, or what. Um, I am going to read Bible. I'm going to share some things with you from the Word of God, but what I wanted to do this morning is, for the past, I don't know, probably six to eight months, I've just been sensing that God is is um, trying to transition us as a church into into some things that maybe um, some things that maybe we're not used to or or service format or service flow that maybe that we haven't been accustomed to for the last 10 or 12 years but I believe that he's doing that because he has some great things in store for us and we have to be willing to to step out of the box we have to be willing to trust that God is God that he's the one that's in control that this is his church it's not Scott and Audrey's church, it's not your church, this is God's church, and that he wants to do things in a way to where he can really move and he can really impact people's lives. And so what I want to do this morning is really I just want to share my heart with you about some things that I feel that God's been showing me, and then as we get into this uh, message, I want to lay out a few things that, that I want to do differently, um, at least in the first part of 2020, and I wanted to prepare you for that. That way, when you come in next week, you're not going to be wondering what in the world is going on, what is all this about. Uh, you will have an opportunity this morning to kind of hear what's on my heart and me, for me to explain why it is that I feel that it's necessary that we make a few small changes in our service format. So uh, with, that, with that being said, I want you to open your Bibles if you have them this morning or your smartphones, whatever it is that you track the Word of God on. And uh, I want you to turn to 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings, that's in the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings. Or you could just find 2 Kings and back up one book and you would be at 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 17. Now, what I want to do is actually I want to I go back and talk a little bit about a story that's in the Word of God that I shared with you um, a couple of months ago when we were in our series on seasons. How many remember? I hope you remember that. Okay, uh, remember that. And, and I actually want to, to go back and revisit this passage that I shared with you uh, in week number one of that series. So we're going to read from verse number one all the way down to verse number 16. Quite a bit of, of Bible here, but I want you to know this, this story. The Bible says this, verse number one, now Elijah who was from Tishbe in Gilead, told King Ahab, As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, the God that I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go to the east and hide by Kareth Brook, near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. So Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped beside Kareth Brook, east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. But after a while, the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath, near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath, and as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks, and he asked her, Would you pre please bring me a little water in a cup? 
As she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in this house. And I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. Verse 13. But Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said. But make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers, until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Now I want to stop right there, and I, I'm sure that if you've been in church for any length of time, you've probably heard this, um, this story or you've read this story, and it's, it's really an interesting story. And, and really just to kind of to summarize it, kind of let you know what's going on, um, obviously Elijah was a prophet of the Lord. That means he was the Lord's mouthpiece during these times. God would speak to him, and he would speak a word to the people. And during this time, uh, King Ahab was, was king over Israel, and all wickedness and all evil and, and just sin running rampant, all of that was so present and so dominating in the land of Israel. Matter of fact, the Bible even says that King Ahab was the most wicked of all the kings that, that ever reigned. And so God wanted to send a message to them. So he spoke to his prophet Elijah, and he says, I want you to go and tell Ahab that there is not going to be any rain throughout all the land until I say that it's going to rain again. So Elijah goes down to the king, and, and he tells him exactly what the Lord had spoken to him. And then God says, now after you tell him this, I want you to go, and I want you to go down to the brook of Kareth, and I want you to hang out there because you're going to need a safe place because people aren't going to like you. You're going to need a place to get away, and there I'm going to sustain you. There's going to be a drought in the land, but don't worry, Elijah. I'm going to take care of you because I have commanded the ravens. They're going to bring you bread and, and meat, and man, what a, what a story that is. And they're going to bring you bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and for water to drink, you're going to be drinking from the brook. And so Elijah does this. He's at, he's at Kareth. He's enjoying life. Everyone else has experienced the drought. All is good. He's obeyed the voice of the Lord. And then the Bible says that after a while, the brook dries up. And once the brook dries up, God speaks to him and says, I'm finished with you here. Now I want you to go to Zarephath because there I have commanded a, a widow woman to take care of you. But it's more than just the widow woman taking care of him through his act of obedience. The Lord was going to now take care of this widow woman who was about to run out of food, and God was going to work a miracle in her life. And a lot of times when we think about this story, it's easy to get focused on, on the miracles that happened at both Kareth and at, and, and at both Zarephath. And it's, it's, it's common for us to think about the miraculous event that happened at Zarephath and think, you know, I want to experience those things. I really want for God to use me. I want to be able to work miracles. I want to be walking in victory. I want to see things happen not only in my life, but in the lives of others as well. But the main focus really of this story that I feel that God keeps calling me back to is what actually happened at Kareth and why it was necessary for Elijah to go off to Kareth for God to actually do something in his life before he could experience the mirac miraculous and victorious things that happened at Zarephath. 
So I want to read for you one more time verses 5 through 7, and I want to focus on, on this part of the story. The Bible says here that Elijah did, verse 5, please. Elijah did as the Lord told him. Now, we focused on this a few weeks ago when I preached to you this, this message that um, sometimes when, we, when our brook dries up, it's, it's, we often question, well, did I hear the voice of the Lord in the first place? You need, to, you need to see this first part. Elijah did as the Lord told him. He spoke to Ahab and told him there would be no rain. He did as the Lord told him, and then he camped beside Kareth Brook east of the Jordan. So he's, he's walking in obedience to the Lord. The Bible says, verse 6, that the ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. So all is good. But watch what happens in verse number 7. It says, after a while, now I don't know exactly how long that while is, but after a while, the brook, what happened to it? It dried up. Why did it dry up? Because there was no rain. Why was there no rain? Because Elijah had obeyed the voice of the Lord and said there's not going to be any rain. My point is, is that Elijah wasn't walking in sin. He wasn't walking in disobedience. Elijah was walking in obedience to the Lord. And after a while... The brook dried up. And the brook didn't dry up because, like I said, Elijah was living in sin. The brook dried up because God was finished with him in this area, and he was trying to transition him to another place because he had something new for him to experience. Now, as I call your attention a couple of months ago, back to where when we were teaching on this series called Season, the very first message that I spoke to you was called The Dry Season. And when I started with that message, I, I felt like that was the season that I was in. And for those of you that, that didn't get to hear any of that, I mean, it's, it's all online. I would encourage you to go and, and listen to that because I believe that just like with seasons of weather and climate change, that there are four spiritual seasons that we walk through, the dry season, the, the pruning season, the growing season, and the harvest season. And that we're always in one of those seasons. And although we may not like three of those seasons... Every season has its purpose, and that God is trying to teach us something during that season. So we're not to get our eyes on the next season and, well, I can't wait till I get to the harvest season, because if we do that, we're going to miss what God is trying to teach us in the season that he has us in. And so I told, talked to you about the dry season, and I, I felt as though that was the season that I was in. It's a season to where... You just don't sense God's presence like you feel that you should be sensing his presence. It seems like that when you pray that, that your prayers just are hitting the, ce the ceiling and not getting any farther. It, many times you're questioning, and I've been saved for years. I was going to say hundreds of years. That's, that's exaggerating a little bit. But I've been, I've been saved for years and walking with God. But there, there are times when, honestly, you just question, God, where are you? Has anybody ever been there? You just, God, where... Where are, am I really, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? You know, there's sometimes there's no question. I know I'm doing what God has called me to do. And then there's other times where you don't see things that, are hap that, that should be happening like you think they should be happening, and you start to question, God, am I in the right spot? Is this what you've called me to do? It's a dry season. And my focus during that message that I was given to you was that sometimes we go through dry seasons because God is trying to transition us to something new. It's not that we're not 
where we're, that we're not where we're supposed to be. It's that God is, is maybe finished with us in this area, and that now he's ready for us to move to another area, not always physically. Sometimes it's spiritually. Sometimes it's mentally. Sometimes it's financially. Sometimes it's relationally. But God is saying, okay, you were obedient here. I, I, we've ministered this way for a season. We've done things this way for a season. But now there's a new season, and I want you to trust me. And in the case of Elijah, God dried up the brook at Kareth because he needed Elijah to go to Zarephath. And it's easy, to, like I said, to get focused on what happened at Zarephath, but the more that I study this story of Elijah being fed by the ravens, the more that I begin to look at the purpose for why he had to go to Kareth. Now, I'm, I'm a thinker. Sometimes I'm, a, I'm an overthinker. Sometimes I aggravate people because I... I try to think <laughs> too much. I'm not going to give you a, a recent story that happened, but, but sometimes I just sit there and I think about things and I start asking questions and I try to overanalyze things and really get under people's skin. But I don't mean to. It's just that I, I'm just thinking, what's the best way to do this? You know, is this, is this really a good deal? Is this really, you know, if I buy three, is that really cheaper than if I just bought one? I mean, I'm always processing things. And so as a thinker, I'm asking myself, why didn't God just send Elijah straight from Tishbe to Zarephath? Why, why did he first cause him to go to Kareth before he sent him to Zarephath? Now, when you read this story, it's, you know, the obvious answer as well, because God wanted to protect Elijah because he had just spoken a word to King Ahab and it wasn't a good word for anyone that's, that's living in the land. And so God wanted Elijah to go to uh, the brook of Kareth because he wanted to protect him. He wanted to uh, uh, provide for him. And don't get me wrong, Kareth was a place of protection. It was a place of of uh, safety, but it was more than just a place of protection. It was more than just a place of, of safety. It was more than just a hiding place. It was more than just a refuge. It was also a place of isolation, listen to this, where God could get Elijah away from all the distractions, all the cares of the life, this life, get him away from all the worldly infer in interference, and simply pour into Elijah's life and get him to a place where he could really hear the voice of the Lord. I found it fitting, and, and I do this quite a bit, but for some reason I have never done this in this story, but, but I like to look up words in their original meaning. The Hebrew and the Greek. Uh, for you that don't know, the Old Testament was mostly written in Hebrew, and the New Testament is mostly written in Greek. And for the most part, when, when the Word of God was translated from those language, languages over to the English language, the translators did pretty good. But there are just some words that there's not an English word that, that will really portray that or depict exactly what the original word meant. And so I looked it up even just as, just, just as late as last night. As a matter of fact, I, I rewrote two pages of, of this message just last night because I started going over it. And I'm like, okay, that still doesn't make sense. I, wanna, I really want to hone in on this because I want people to get a clear picture of what I feel that God is showing me. So I was looking up the word careth last night and what it means. 
And in the original language, the word careth means a cut. And the root word in Hebrew, now I don't know what the root word is, but the root word in Hebrew means a cutting away. A cutting away. God was calling Elijah to a place of isolation. God was calling Elijah to a place where everything else would be stripped away to where only the thing that would be left standing would be Elijah's sole and complete dependence upon God. It was a stripping away, if you will, because God says, listen, you've stepped out in obedience and you've obeyed my call. Now I have even bigger and better things for you, but in order for you to experience those things, I'm going to take you through a pruning process, if you will. I'm going to take you through a purging. I'm going to take you to a place to where I can cut away everything that's not of me. Not that the, the things that you're doing are necessarily wrong, but I, Elijah, I want to get you to a place to where when I whisper, you can hear my voice. I want to get you to a place, Elijah, that when I speak, you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you've heard from me. I want to get you to a place to where you can hear my voice, to a place to where you are totally dependent upon me and upon me alone. You see, a lot of us, we want to experience the miracles that happen in Zarephath. We all want that mountaintop experience. We all want to, to experience things that Elijah experienced on Mount Carmel, the things like that. We all want to walk in victory. We all want to see these things happen. But you can't experience the miracles of Zarephath without first going through the cutting away that happens at Kareth. And this is where I feel that God is wanting us as a church to go. I feel that, that God is trying to take us and, and get our minds focused on a, as, as a place of isolation. And what I mean by that is, is just us and Jesus. Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, what does that mean? I thought that this was a church. I thought we talk about Jesus. We do. But I think a lot of times, a lot of the things that we do and a lot of things that we've implemented in our service over the years... I think that they were meant to be good, but I think if we're not careful, those things can become distractions, and those things can become the emphasis, or they can become priority, and we truly miss what God wants to do in our lives, and we truly miss building a genuine, authentic relationship with Him. I feel that God was trying to get us to a place to where there's no distractions, there's no gimmicks, there's no trying to entertain or be people pleasers, just to a place to where we say, I just want Jesus. That Jesus plus nothing is enough. I don't, I don't need bells and whistles. I don't need anything else. I just want to have a Jesus experience. I just want Jesus I believe that God wants to get us to a place where our relationship with him can be strengthened, to get us to a place where we can hear the prophetic voice of God. And I personally believe that when we as a church can get to this place to where our sole purpose is to honor God and to truly worship him and to go deeper in his word, then we will be in a position to hear God say, now you're ready to go to Zarephath. Now you're ready to experience breakthrough. Now you're ready to experience the miraculous. Now I can really work wonders in your life and really do amazing things in your life. 
now don't get me wrong we we have experienced so much in the course of the last 12 years we'll be celebrating our I think it's 13 2000 yeah 13 years this coming April and uh, God has done some amazing and incredible things in this church literally hundreds of people have been saved hundreds of people have come to know Jesus and been baptized marriages have been restored and healed I've seen people delivered from drugs and just incredible things and awesome testimonies matter of fact just this past week I was going back and I like to save when people will, will write, write me in and uh, share with me a testimony that God has done in their life. And I, just this week, I was going back and I was reading some of those and just almost just burst into tears of the things that God has done in people's lives. So I'm not trying to take away from the things that, that God has done. He's done some incredible things, but I believe that God has so much more for us as a church. I believe that, that there are so many more Lives that God wants to change and transform and heal and commission for the work of the ministry and, and marriages to be restored and people to be delivered from, from all kinds of things. I truly believe that. But in order for us to get there, I believe that we're going to have to be intentional about getting in His presence. And that we're going to have to be intentional about truly worshiping Him. I'm not talking about just singing some songs and raising our hands and clapping at the end of each song. I'm talking about truly worshiping Him. That has to become our intent. It has to become our main focus. That we got to get to a place to where we become intentional about, intentional about getting to know Him by spending more time in His Word. And I believe in order for us to do that effectively, there are some, some small things, some, some tweaks and some, some changes that, that we need to make. I know what some of you are thinking right now. They're like, well, Pastor, what kind of changes are you talking about? I, I don't like change. I'll be the first to tell you, I don't necessarily like change either. But I also don't like the pain of remaining the same. I, I, wanna, I want to... I want to venture out into what God has for us and just trust him like Elijah did. So with that being said, I want you to turn with me quickly to Matthew chapter 28. I want to, I want to read one more passage of scripture, and then I want to share some things with you that I believe God is, is speaking to me. Matthew 28. Now, I didn't pick this, this passage because I thought it would fit. I, I picked this passage because this is what God kept calling me to, to explain why it is that I feel like we need to tweak some things. Um, starting in verse number 16, if you're a Bible reader, you know this is the Great Commission. This is, this is what the Lord, Jesus himself, has commissioned us to do. This is, this is our responsibility as Christ followers. Everything that Jesus said was very important, but especially the last words that Jesus said, you would think that are, they were extremely important. These are some of the last words that Jesus said. He says this, starting in verse number 16. It says, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, Jesus, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples. Here we go. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. 
And make sure that you know this. I'm going to be with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus calls his followers together and he says, here's, what, here's, your, here's your charge. Here is what I'm commissioning you to do. I've been given all authority. Now I'm giving it to you. And I want you to go and make disciples. And then I want you to teach these new disciples, these new converts, I want you to teach them to obey all the commands that I have given you. The key word there is a disciple. A disciple, for those of you who may not know, a disciple is simply a pupil. It's a, it's a follower of Jesus. A follower. Everybody say follower. Not just a churchgoer. Not just someone who says, I'm a Christian. Not just someone who has the bumper sticker or the bracelet that says WWJD. But a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus spent three years, three years teaching those who wanted to follow him how to live, how to be good husbands, how to, how to raise their children, how to, how, to, um, how to be good stewards over their money. He, he taught them so, he spent almost every waking hour pouring into their lives, teaching them how to live as a Christian. He instructed them. He educated them. He disciplined them. He corrected them. He showed them the ways that he wanted them to live. He wanted them to, to share in his mission to reach the world, to become his followers so they could be reconciled with the Father and spend eternity with him one day. Jesus walked with them and he talked with them for three full years, teaching them how to be his followers. And then as he's about to ascend into heaven, he told them, now go and teach other people how to obey these commands that I've taught you to obey. Look at it again in verse 20. Jesus says, teach these new disciples. Teach them. Everybody say, teach them. Te teach these new disciples how to obey all the commands I have given you. In the verse directly in front of this, when Jesus says, go and make disciples, go and reach people, go and, go and help people be converted, go and tell people about the gospel, go and tell people about my love for them, go and tell them about what's going to happen if they don't repent. Go make disciples. And then once they're converted, once they're saved, your responsibility is to teach them how to live like I have taught you to live for the last three years. That was Jesus' commands to his disciples. He says, teach these new disciples to obey all of my commands. Now listen to what I'm about to tell you. I'm not just talking about our church. I'm talking about I feel that the church as a whole over the last maybe 10 to 12 years has tried to make Sunday services so appealing to lost people that we have forgotten to teach people how to live like Jesus. Now, there's, there's nothing wrong with trying to reach lost people. That, that's our goal. We, we should be reaching people. We should be reaching lost people. We should be winning the world to Christ. But I think over the years, the church as a whole, we, we, have, we have almost become so, tried to become so appealing to the world that we have forgotten that Jesus has commanded us to teach people how to live like him to teach people what it means to follow Christ, 
to teach people what it looks like to be a good husband, to teach people what it looks like to have a good marriage, to teach people what it looks like to behave well on the job, and how to be good stewards of their money. Seems like over the years that worship experiences have become more about the sound and the lighting and the quality of production more than they have about true worship of Jesus. I'm just sharing what God's laid upon my heart. I hope that's okay. Many sermons that you hear coming from pulpits today are nothing more than motivational speeches and inspirational stories and, and self-help talks. There's no teaching about sin. There's no teaching about confession. There's no teaching about repentance, why we need to repent. There's no teaching about what it truly means to follow Jesus. And as a result, you have people in, in churches all across the world who have a form of godliness, but there's no power in their lives. The Apostle Paul writes about this, and we're going to get into this in, in the coming weeks as we move into 2020, and I begin to share some things that God's laid up on my heart, but... But there are people who, just like Paul describes in the last days, they, they have a form of godliness. They look religious. They, they, they may go through the motions and look as though they're Christians, but there's no power of God working in their lives. Their marriages are still a mess. They're still strung out on drugs and alcohol. There's, there's, there's hurts and hardships that they just can't seem to shake in their lives. There's sicknesses that they're walking in. And I'm not here to get off on, on, on healings, but, but we serve a God. We just sang about him. We serve a God who is a healer. We're just as messed up as the world is. And I want to make sure that that doesn't happen here at this church. Now, I know that there's always going to be a few who come who, for whatever reason, will not truly live as a Christ follower, but it's not going to be because we don't preach Jesus. And it's not going to be because we don't talk about the dangers of sin. And it's not going to be because we don't talk about the power of confession and the power of repentance. It's simply going to be because they refuse to learn and they refuse to be taught. And my main focus for 2020, it sounds simple, but is to teach people how to live like Christians. To teach people how to live like Christians. And, and I'm not just talking about preaching you a sermon on Sunday. I'm talking about teaching you and, and coaching you and trying to develop you and trying to grow you into a true Christ follower. I want each and every person that's in this room today, I want you to experience all that God has for you. I want you to experience the joy and the freedom that truly comes from having an intimate relationship with Him. I want all of you who are married and those of you who are going to get married, I want you to have an amazing marriage. And not a ball and chain, but a thriving, healthy, wholesome marriage. I want you to have a healthy and a stable and a solid family. And I want to see all of you experiencing the abundant life. So with that being said, any tweaks or small changes that I make to a Sunday morning service format is going to be done with the intention and with the intent of how to more effectively teach us how to live like Christ and to make sure that our sole fo focus is on Christ alone. Now, I will tell you this. I don't know everything that, that I want to do differently in 2020. And the things that I am going to do, I don't know how long that we will do them. I just know that that this is, this is what I feel that God is calling us to do. 
But there are a couple of things that I do know, and I, as I said earlier, I want to share them with you. That way, when you come in next week, which, by the way, is the first Sunday of 2020, you have an opportunity to have perfect attendance um, so far in church by, by showing up next week. But that way, when you come in next week, you're not going to wondering, well, what in the world's going on? So I want to share with you just, just a few tweaks, changes, additions, whatever, that I, I want to start doing next week um, with the sole purpose of making sure that we are truly learning what it means to be a Christ follower. First of all, I'm going to spend at least the first couple of weeks, maybe a little bit longer, I don't know how long, um, speaking to you from right down here on the floor. Um, I'm going to come off the platform for at least a couple of Sundays and, uh, and just speak from the floor. I'm going to remove the first row um, of chairs. That doesn't mean that you guys will be sitting on the floor. That means you'll just be a little bit further back to make a little bit more room for you and a little bit more room for me. And, um, and I know that there's nothing magical about coming down there and speaking to you. There's, there's nothing that, <laughs> there's no more anointing down there than there is up here. But it is a, it's a, it's, the intent is a visual illustration to show you that I'm not, I'm not just someone who's up here preaching to you or preaching at you. That I'm a real human being who's trying to walk this thing out just like you are. That's the intent. And I, like I said, I don't know how long I'll do that, but I just, I just feel that, that I'm supposed to be down there for at least a couple of weeks. Just to, just to illustrate and give you a visual. I'm one of you guys. I have temptations and, and hardships and struggles just like you do. And I have to learn to walk those things out. I have to learn what it looks like to get in the Word of God and see what God's Word says about that so that I can walk it out, and I want to communicate that to you. Second thing that I want to do next week, starting next week, is that we're going to start spending a lot more time looking at and reading the Word of God together. I want, I want for you to, to bring your Bibles to church. Whether that's a hard copy or electronic, I'm not, I don't want to get into that argument about, for some people, you know, you've just, you've gotten used to your, your, uh, your phone, the Bible on your phone. I'm not against that. I look at the Bible on my phone. If that's what you feel the most comfortable with, uh, by all means, use that. But if you can bring a hard copy of the Word of God, I want you to bring that. I know this sounds elementary, but guys, we got to get familiar with our Bibles. I mean, this, this almost seems silly to even talk about. Um, when I say turn to 1 Kings, we, we are to know whether or not that's in the Old Testament or New Testament. Especially if you've been serving God for 12 years. Well, we need to know that. We, we don't need to look like uneducated people. When we're talking to the world and we're trying to win people to Christ, our response doesn't need to be like, well, let me go see what Pastor Scott says or let me go see what so-and-so says. We, we need to know. We need to become familiar with our Bible. We need to know that Genesis is the first book of the Bible. We need to know that Revelation is the last book of the Bible. We, we need to know this stuff. I know it sounds elementary and you're saying, Scott, you're making a big deal over this. And I, I don't think that I am. I feel that God has mandated me to really teach us what it means to know him that we need to become familiar with his, with his word. 
You need to know, and, and, I, and I don't necessarily know where every scripture is found. Like, I can quote some things, and I may not be able to tell you where that's found, but I've got a pretty good idea where it is. And I have, I, as a matter of fact, I've become so familiar with this Bible, I can tell you that it's at the top left-hand side of, 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 of you know, Hebrews chapter 4 or whatever. I, I know that just because I'm familiar with my word. And we need to become familiar with the word of God. I've already ordered two cases of Bibles. They're here. They're in my office. And I, we're gonna, we're gonna, I don't know where we're going to put them, but we're going to have them out to where if you show up and you don't have your Bible with you, I'm going to give you time, time to come grab a Bible. And if you don't have a Bible, take it home with you. That's your present. That's your gift. But we're going to become familiar with the Word of God. We're going to read. I, I know that my wife told me, she says, well, you're going to have to slow way down then when you're reading things because, I mean, you just move through those uh, verses just like that. And, and we're going to do that. We're, the opening scripture that I read, we're all going to look at that together. And I'm going to help you. If you have one of our hard copies, I'm going to say it's on page whatever, 1,257. And we're going to look at the Word of God. And we're going to get familiar with the Word of God. And here's why. Because it's, our relationship with Jesus is all based off of faith. It's a faith walk. And your faith will never be greater than your knowledge of the Word of God. And your knowledge of the Word of God will never be greater than your commitment to learn the Word of God. So we're going to learn it. We're going to look at it together. I'm gonna, you're going to be able to know, man, hey, that's in, that's in Luke chapter number 2. You're, you're going to be able to know where that is, and I'm going to help you because y'all don't hear all the things that I hear. When I talk to people so, so many times, and, and I'm asking them, like, well, how often are you reading your Bible? So many of them was like, well, I just don't read the Bible because I don't understand it. I want to help you. I want to help you get familiar with it. I want to help you to not be embarrassed. So when we say go here, well, I don't want to go there because I don't know where it is. That's why I'm going to give you the page number. Turn to page so-and-so. I'm even going to have the lights on. We're going we're to have the lights as bright as all get out next week. That's another thing. And I know, I know some of you are like, this is silly, but my goodness, everything in Scripture talks about that, that Jesus is the light and we're the salt and we're the light. And I know you're going to think this is cheesy, but sometimes we, just, we make churches so dark because we don't want anybody to be embarrassed to raise their hand. My goodness. Well, I just can't worship with the lights on. Well, you ain't going to like heaven. Because there's no darkness in heaven. Because <laughs> Jesus is the light. So we're going to start getting acclimated to heaven next week. we have the lights on. Thirdly, and I know i got to hurry. I know. I, I hope you hear my heart today. Thirdly, I'm going to be doing more expository type uh, teaching and what what that means is in the past I've I've done a lot of like topical uh, sermons messages to where we say hey we're going to talk about healing this week or we're going to talk about um, wisdom or finances or whatever and and those things are good and I'm still going to do some of that okay I'm not going to go the whole year with expository uh, type preaching but but I at least want to start out because I feel that's what God is calling me to do an expository uh, type of teaching is we're going to look at the word and we're just going to break it down. And um, we may be in Galatians one week. We may be in Ephesians next week. We may be in Leviticus the next week. God help us if we're there. But what, 
but we're going to look at the Word of God. And I just, I just want to talk to you and explain what that means. And uh, I'm still going to do series from time to time, but that's not going to be necessarily my style this, this coming year. And you think, you say, well, Scott, I really like this series. I do too, because that's what I'm used to. So this is, this is harder on me than it is on you, I promise you. And with that being said, I, I'm not necessarily going to know one week from the other what I'm going to be teaching on. I, I want to be in God's Word through the week, and whatever God shows me to talk about, I'm going to talk about it. I don't want to be locked into a series and say, well, God, I would talk about that, but you know, you know, I'm in a, I'm in a series on, on finances right now, and I really can't talk about that. I want to be open, and, and, and uh, um, I don't know what that's going to look like presentation-wise, because I, I struggle with a lot of anxiety, and I put a lot of pressure on myself to try to deliver a word that's almost just perfect and outlined to a T, and, and I, I bring a lot of stress and anxiety on myself by doing that. So with that being said, I have no idea what next week is going to look like. It may not be very well put together, um, but, I, but I'm going to preach what's on my heart and I'm going to talk to you the way that God's laid up on my heart and it may be to where when I'm down there I may just stop right in the middle and say you know what God is God has just impressed me that we're, we're going to lay hands on you I want you to come I want you to I, I, I want to be that because I want to be I want to be in a place to where I can truly hear from the Lord and that we can really do what God has called us to do so there's still going to be series, but less of them. And, and I want to focus more on helping you better understand God and what, he, what He's calling you to and actually what He requires of you. And, and as I said, these are, these are just a few of the things that I want to do differently there. I'm sure there are more. Uh, we're going to make more time for prayer. Um, worship is going to look a little bit different. And as a matter of fact, our worship has already made significant changes. I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, they haven't played with tracks in probably the last two or three months. And and uh, they've been a lot more uh, creating more room for spontaneity and just whatever God wants to do and and I know that's a, that's a fine line we don't want to get crazy we don't want to get to where it's just anybody can stand up and just do whatever and it's all out of order but I want to get to a place to where when we come here we know what it's all about we are truly focused on Jesus and we want more of him in our lives because he is the true difference maker he is the he is the chain breaker he's the one that's gonna heal and fix things in our lives so that's why all of this is is uh, is gonna happen <laughs> I don't know what else to do today just to, just felt that I wanted to share that with you so I want to get our hearts and minds solely fixed on Jesus so we can be ready when God says there's a Zarephath that's coming you're ready you're ready for victory you're ready for miraculous you're ready for healings you're ready for all of these things